Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hello, guys, and once again, welcome to Lux Digital Church. My name is Mark, and I'm the founding pastor here at Lux Digital, and we're so excited to have you with us tonight. If you're here for the very first time, or if uh, if you've just stopped by, maybe you were scrolling through just chatting streams, and you saw, what's this weird-looking stream with 35 or 40 people in it, and you stopped by, and you've stuck, thank you. If you're a regular, every single week member of our community, or maybe you're a member of mine and my wife's physical community here, we were on uh, with New life earlier this week earlier today and maybe you're coming over to hang out with us wherever it is thank you so much for being here we appreciate you you are our honored guests and let me just say here at lux digital we know that church is more than just a church service it's more than just a church service in fact whenever uh whenever i was in youth ministry i used to take out uh, potential new leaders to lunch to interview them and learn a little bit about them and we would do some like small chatter and stuff and then we would order i'm real and then i would get super intense the waitress would walk away and I would lock eyes with the person and I would say, I just want you to know, I'm not interested in getting to know the person that you want me to get to know. I'm interested in getting to know who you are at the depths of who you are. I want to know the true you. And we know that online you're capable of being literally whoever you want to be. If you want to be Bob from Nebraska today, you get to be Bob from Nebraska today. If you want to be Lewis from South America tomorrow, I'm sorry. I don't know why I came up with the word Lewis. Lewis from South America. You're actually capable of doing that as well. But I want you to know if you're searching for a place that wants to genuinely know you for you in your highs and your lows, your up and your down, not the fake version of you, not the online version of you, not the version of you that you just show to your parents or that you just show out in public or that you just expose at work, but the true you here at Lux Digital Church, we genuinely want to get to know you in the fullness of who you are. And we're genuinely happy that you're here. We're currently in part three of a five, this is 10, five week series here at Lux Digital Church called The Fight Starts Here. And in this series, we're looking at a book by Craig Rochelle called The Winning the War in Your Mind. It's all about overcoming the lies in our lives, defeating those lives with the truth. So the first week we talked about the replacement principle. And in that we talked about identifying lives in our lives And a very central thing in this entire series is a lie that's believed to be true will impact our lives as though it's true. A lie that's believed to be true will impact our lives as though it's true. An incredibly important principle as we get in to the rest of the series. We talked about how those lies, if left unchecked, develop into strongholds in our lives, spiritual strongholds. And those spiritual strongholds need to be torn down in order for us to find freedom from the lies that we have believed and have impacted our lives. On week two, we talked about the rewire principle. And in that particular message, we looked really closely at the fact that our brains are actually hardwired to stay in the ruts that the lies create for them. In our everyday lives, our brains want to run the same patterns because they're lazy. And the only way to overcome that is with truth day in, day out. 
It doesn't come and go. It's not a quick process. It's a long campaign that we have to pursue in order to tear down the strongholds in our lives. We talked about digging trenches to the same level that the ruts are in our brains. We talked about how the physiology of our brains actually changes when we believe lies and then we live them out in our day-to-day life. And we're going to dig deeper into that. Now we're going into part three of this series, which is called the reframing principle. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to preach it. In fact, I almost cut it out and moved it. I I almost postponed this entire series. And in here, let me tell you why. Because the replacement principle is easy enough. What we have to do is identify where the problems are in our lives, pinpoint the lies and replace them with truth. We can usually do that. Most of us have some vague idea about the lies that we have believed if we take some time to actually think about them. And so over seven days, you might have been able to do that. But last week, we talked about the rewire principle. The reality is many of the lies that we believe are rooted in traumatic or dangerous or really bad experiences in a very distant place in our past. The reality is we can't rewire our brains in seven days. And I personally hate getting the next step for a project when I'm still working on the previous step for the project. And so here was my fear that you would hear us talk about step one replacement and step two rewiring. And then we would get to part three and you'd be like, I'm behind. I'm behind. All of these other people are moving on to part three and I'm still stuck on part one. I might as well give up. I might as well give in. I'm never going to be able to renew my mind. I'm never going to be able to tear down the strongholds in my own life. And that was the last thing I wanted to have happen because it's believing yet another lie. The reality is, is that these things don't happen quickly. Tearing down a stronghold in our life is a multi-part campaign. It's not a skirmish. It takes a great deal of time. Many of the strongholds that we have have been built over many years, and they might take months or years to be able to not only identify, but to be able to tear them down and find freedom from them in our own heads. So instead of seeing part three today as uh, the next step, instead, let's look at the next couple of weeks as weapons that you need to add to your arsenal for tearing down strongholds in your own life. If you don't bring to bear everything else that we're going to talk about throughout this series, you will have one less necessary weapon to be able to overcome the lies that are in your own life. And so as we look at part three, the reframing principle, it's important for us to understand that this is just one more thing that we get to add to the arsenal. In fact, let me just give a plug for our Discord real quick at that moment, because I just want to say, listen, in our Discord, we're posting devotionals three times a week. Three times a week, you're getting a devotional that is based, it's written by someone from our church, and it's based off of the message that we give here and we talk about on Wednesday night. If you're looking for more tools and more weapons to add to the stronghold tearing down part of your life, you got to come into our discord. If for no other reason than to get access to the devotionals, if you do nothing else, completely lurk and just check the devotionals three times a week, it would be worth your time to create the account and come hang out with us. Let me give you a peek behind the curtain of my brain for just a moment. Now it's a terrifying place. I'm the only qualified guide in this unknown territory and I only know where I'm at about half of the time, but we're going to take a short adventure behind the, behind my brain and into the brain of a pastor as he's preparing to write a sermon. So ideally, whenever you sit down to write a sermon, you want to have it figured out. 
not like your main bullet points and things. I mean, it's good to know that sort of stuff too, but more than that, what you really want to have figured out is the life lesson that you're teaching, the biblical principle that you're bringing to bear. So in other words, if I'm telling people we need to tear down the strongholds in our own lives, hopefully I have torn down the strongholds in my life. But the reality is I haven't torn them all down. I'm still a work in process. Ideally, if I tell you that you need to overcome this thing, I have already overcome that thing and I can give you guidance. But another part of the reality is, is that we all have things that are going on in our lives and Jesus is at work in each of us. We're all in some type of a process. So the reality is, I would love to say that I know exactly how to do this, but there are strongholds in my own life that I started working on last year. And it's been a year. And some days I don't feel like I'm any further along in the process of finding freedom than I am today. And, and that's, just, that's just me being really honest with you. But sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm no further along now than I was a year ago. But the reality is, as I started into these things, I got to ask you to give me a little bit of grace because I talk about some of the strongholds that are going on in my own life that I'm working to overcome. Although I'm starving them out, although I have them surrounded, although I've laid siege to the fortress, it's too early to necessarily call for victory yet. So if you entered the fight a few weeks ago, let me just encourage you. Let me just encourage you. It's a long trip. It's a long campaign. It's not going to be over overnight. And if you feel like I haven't arrived yet, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. For us to overcome things that have been long standing in our life, it's going to take time and effort. And we're going to actually talk about that effort a little bit next week. This week, we're going to talk about the new tool, the reframing principle. Here's a point that I just want to make. The lies we believe do not only impact our lives as though they were true, they also change the way we see the world and we experience life. The lies we believe not only impact our lives as though they are true, they also change the way we see the world and the way that we experience life. Okay, let me get a drink of water real quick. Okay, listen to this. I have 20-20 vision. I see perfectly. I don't understand the world that people live in when they don't see perfectly. I don't always understand people who have to have glasses because I have never had to. In fact, the only time that I come close to understanding somebody who needs glasses is when I put their glasses on and I get an instant headache and I feel like I'm going to fall over or be sick, which is my experience as somebody with 20-20 vision. I can stand here and I can read the chat up behind me without too much of a problem. My wife, on the other hand, is virtually blind. She almost can't can't see anything. When she wakes up in the morning, if the contacts don't go in her eyes, she doesn't know if I'm in bed next to her. That's an exaggeration, but she's seriously terrible at seeing things. My father has had bad vision throughout his life because he's a diabetic. He was a diabetic before he was 20 and people who are diabetic for a long period of time typically either have very bad eyesight or eventually lose their eyesight. Now, because of modern medicines and the, the miraculous things that can happen with that, my father's able to keep his eyesight. However, after the surgeries that he has, he has very little peripheral vision. There's nothing that you can do for it. It's just simply the way that he sees. When you go out on a bright or a sunny day, you often put on sunglasses. I don't because I hate sunglasses, but perhaps you do. It's to take down on the glare and the brightness of the sun in the outside world. Whenever I was a kid, I got what I thought were a very cool pair of sunglasses. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're the sunglasses that Elton John wears, those round ones that are tinted a specific color. 
super cool. I'm pretty sure I won them using tickets at an arcade. I can't actually remember, but I definitely had them in mine were green. So I would wear them around, but there was a problem when I wore these glasses. They would change the color of everything that I looked at. Everything that I looked at would turn green as a product of, of wearing these circular Elton John glasses on my elementary school face. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. The frames that we wear, the glasses that we wear, impact our life. It impacts the way that we see the world. Glasses can either make things blurry, change the color of the world that we're in, or greatly clarify things. The frames that we put in front of our face really matter. And this is really what the reframing principle is all about. The reality is, is that the lies that we believe don't just impact our life as though they're true. They have an enormous impact on almost every other aspect of our lives as well. Let me just, let me just give you an example. If you wake up every Monday and dread the week ahead of you, well, then you're probably going to find things to dread throughout the week. If you start each day believing that your child is going to be frustrating and misbehave, you will often find your child misbehaving. If you believe that no one can be trusted, then you will likely find that people are untrustworthy. If you believe every person is out to get you, then probably most days someone is going to be out to get you. Now, this isn't a believe it and it will come true type of philosophy. I, I've never been a proponent of if you just believe good things will happen to you and you give out good vibes long enough that good things will come back to you. It's asinine and ridiculous. It's not the way the world works. It is a common misconception about the world that spread in this exact location, twitch.tv. Good vibes are kind of a big thing around here. You give out good things and good things are bound to come back to you. I'm not going to tell you that if you believe hard enough and long enough that you're going to hit the lottery, that someday you'll hit the lottery. I'm simply saying that we typically find the things that we're looking for. And so if we're looking for desperation, we typically find reasons to be desperate. If we're looking for anxiety or we assume and we see everything through the lens and the, the glasses of anxiety, we will oftentimes find things to be anxious about. If we're constantly looking for things that can make us mad, waking up each day, assuming that there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be a moron that day, then we oftentimes find that we brush up with more morons than most people. The reality is, is that as we go throughout our days, we find what we're looking for. And that is in both the good things and in the bad things. And the lies that we believe in our lives greatly impact the things that we're looking for. Let me give you an example from my own life. A few years ago, I took a position at what is now my, my previous church. And if you got to hang out with us today, New Life Christian Ministries uh, was where I previously worked. I took a new position there. I moved from something that I had been doing for a long time that I was very familiar with, youth ministry, to something new. And it was something that wasn't completely out of my wheelhouse. It was still ministry, but it was new. Early on in that, I had to take over overseeing a few staff members, which is not something I had done before. And some of those staff members were older than me, which was also not something that I had done before. And pretty soon, I kind of felt most days like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt stupid pretty often, to be honest. And, and in those situations, I ended up believing a small but very powerful lie. And that small but powerful lie was, I don't know what I'm doing. 
Now, there's truth in that. And, and let me just be honest with you. The best lies that the devil tells us that we end up believing are lies that we ourselves can justify. And what the, what the devil will do is he will take something that is temporarily true and project it into your future, convincing you that it will always be true. So the truth of the situation was I didn't always know what I was doing, but the lie was that I would never, ever know what I was doing. And as that got projected further into my life, I felt like I would never be able to figure it out. Like I was useless in some capacity that I, that I just, no matter what I did, I felt like I just didn't know what I was doing. That got compounded with another feeling and another lie that I believed, which was very simple and small, but it was just this, that my life was overwhelming, that my life was overwhelming. And actually, as I was writing this sermon, I was reflecting on my life and I was able to pinpoint the moment in time that I believed that lie. Right when I took over uh, the, the new position at my previous church, uh, one of our staff members quit like really soon after that they resigned and I suddenly had my job, their job, and I had to find their replacement kind of all at the same time. At the same exact time that following week, we had a giant celebration that was going on. It was a three-day outdoor event, outdoor worship, giant potluck dinner, outdoor, outdoor services. And then and we threw this giant fireworks display for the entire town. It was beautiful. And it was amazing. And it was really overwhelming. It was crazy overwhelming. There's some stuff that happened during that actual event that I'm not going to get into. But the reality is, after the first night, I had been there since early in the morning. I was waiting for the bounce house company to come and pick up the bounce house, as silly as that is. I was standing in the backfield and I was waiting for them to show up and pick up the bounce house. And they showed up around 11 o'clock at night. And I just, I just sat there and I, I remember just thinking, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. Now, there was truth in that, which the best lies always contain some amount of truth. The reality is, is if my life continued in that pattern, it would be too much for me. The truth was that it was only going to be for three days. But in that moment, I believed a small lie and I put lenses on my face that I didn't even realize I was putting on and they got locked on me. They got locked on me and they were the lenses of my life is overwhelming. My life is overwhelming. And so each day I would wake up and I would think my life is going to be overwhelming. And I would look at my to-do list. I don't know how I'm going to get any of this stuff done. My life is going to be overwhelming. And do you know what my life often ended up being? Overwhelming. Because it's overwhelming to look for opportunities to be overwhelmed all the time. And so I oftentimes found exactly the thing that I was looking for. I found myself consistently overwhelmed with my life. No matter how many hours I worked, no matter what my list of things to do were, and in that place, I didn't know how to get rid of that feeling, and so I myself, Mark, I started just to self-medicate. I started to self-medicate. Now, I was a pastor, so you have to self-medicate as a pastor in a morally acceptable way. So you have to self-medicate in morally acceptable ways. So I would go into work every day, and as ridiculous this sounds, I'd show up to work, I'd put my headphones in, and I'd listen to Bob Ross because Bob Ross kept me calm. And otherwise, I would get worked up, and I'd get anxious, and I'd get overwhelmed. Or I'd come home from work, and every day I'd come home from work, sleepy or not, I'd need a nap. Just, just to unplug, just to unwind. Or I'd play video games until late into the night so, so that I wasn't laying in bed awake at night thinking. 
because I, I just had to go until I was completely and totally exhausted. So I, I would stay up late playing games or I would need a beer at the end of the day to take the edge off or any one of a number of things, sleeping in, going on vacation, just hopelessly searching for a way to not feel overwhelmed just so that I would get a moment of reprieve, a chance to be restored. But then something started to click with me. And I began to look at the evidence in my life and I began to realize that the feelings that I was having were inaccurate. I began to look at the hours that I was working and I started to realize that not only was I not working an unmanageable amount of time, oftentimes I wasn't working as much as I was hired to work. I would work 35 hours in a week and it would feel like I had worked 65 I was just constantly overwhelmed because I had this small lie in the back of my head that had forced lenses on my face that made me see everything through the shade of my life is overwhelming. And this began to impact my relationships because let me just tell you, I saw everything as overwhelming. The problem is it wasn't true. The bigger problem was everybody but me knew it wasn't true. The people around me were seeing with 2020 or at least better vision than what I was seeing with. And I was, I spent three years trying to convince people that what I was doing was overwhelming. And everyone else is looking around thinking like, what you're doing isn't all that overwhelming. And yeah, we had kids during that season. This is an oversimplification of the season of my life. There's a lot of intricacies and nuances and relationships that go into it. But in the end of the day, I was desperate for relief. And I kept thinking to myself, am I the one who's messed up or is everybody else? And I, and I would search for ways to point my fingers and, and think maybe it's this person or maybe it's that person or they're doing this or they're doing that. And, and I, maybe we need to change the situation or, or maybe the job description or, or maybe this or maybe that. Whatever it was, we're looking for opportunity. Maybe we just need to simplify our lives. We need to move closer to where I were. Whatever it was, looking for ways to be able to solve the problem. And it began hurting the relationships that I had in life. Now, now, it may seem wild, but, but think of sort of the blown out complexity of what a small lie at 11 p.m. on a summer night can do to your life when you believe it to be true and then it develops a stronghold in you and you run that stronghold, that rut in your brain over and over again. Pretty soon you put lenses on your face and you actually begin to look you begin to look for opportunities to be overwhelmed, to be disappointed. And so perhaps there's a, perhaps there's a set of lenses in your life and you're looking around and you're saying, listen, I I'm seeing things this way and I I'm living this way, but it doesn't make any logical sense. And I know that it doesn't. So maybe you were a victim of abuse. Maybe you're a victim of abuse. And the lie is that you can't believe you can't trust anyone. That no one is trustworthy. And so you keep finding people to not be trustworthy in your life because you're afraid that you'll get hurt. But in that, you know, it's not logical because you look around and you see people, you see people who, who have flourishing lives with great relationships and you know, people are trustworthy, but you just can't seem to find people who are, and you think that you're cursed. It's because you've put on the lenses that people are untrustworthy. You've believed the lie to the point that you look for a lack of trust in other people. Or, or perhaps you've put on the lenses that says that I'm a bad mother or I'm a bad father. And, and you wear them every day because there was something small that was whispered in your head when you didn't know what to do with your child. And now every day you make your decisions based off the fact that you think that you're a bad parent, but you're not. 
You, you look around and you logically know that you're not. You look around and you see parents who get their kids taken off of them. You look around and you see kids that are born addicted to heroin or cocaine. And you know that that's not your child, that you know that's not who you are. You know you're not a bad parent, but you feel like one every day. And each day there's something else that reassures and reinforces the idea because you're searching through the lenses. You're looking through the lenses of I'm a bad parent. Or, or, or maybe you're here today and, and it's, it's just like, you know, you're, you're broke, you're broke and, and, and maybe you grew up broke. Maybe you grew up broke and you were always seeing things through the lenses of, I don't have enough insufficiency, or you went through a season in life where you didn't have enough. You had to heat your house with the stove in the kitchen. Maybe you only ever got to buy the cheap food, the cheapest option. Maybe you lived off of ramen with your kids for a season, whatever it might be. So now you have the lenses stuck on your face of, I don't have enough. And you know, it doesn't logically make any sense because when you look around and you see people, you know that you're one of the most blessed people on the planet. You've seen real poverty in other places of the world, but you can't bring yourself to live generously. You can't bring yourself to live generously because you can't get the lenses of I don't have enough off your face. Or maybe you were consistently told that you were not enough by a parent or by a friend. And now every failure reinforces the idea that you are not enough. But you know that it can't be true because you look around and you see people who've accomplished less than you, but are more content than you. You've seen people that have gone not as far as you, but are happier than you. And you know that your contentment isn't found in the things that you achieve, but you can't get it out of your brain because you're looking through the lens of I am not enough. We have to reframe the way that we look at the world. We have to pull the frames off of our heads. We have to shatter them and break them. The frames that lies have placed over our eyes and color the way we see the entire world. The apostle Paul was the absolute best at doing this. He was the king of reframing the situations. Now we talked about Paul before, but he was originally known as a man named Saul. Saul went around arresting Christians, murdering Christians, imprisoning Christians. He's sentencing them to death. If there's one person who thinks that God could never use me, it's the guy who tried to crush the church, who tried to kill all of Jesus' best friends. He tried to track them down and murder them. Yet Paul does more for the kingdom of God and more for the church than possibly any human being in all of human history with the exception of Jesus himself and maybe the apostle Peter. And when we look at his story, we know that Paul had a dream. He wanted one day to go to Rome to preach to the emperor because he thought that if the emperor embraced Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and he became saved by Jesus Christ, and Jesus became his Lord and his savior, that everything would change. And he had a dream to go and preach to the rulers of the empire. He thought he would go, and he did go, but not in the way that he thought. Tonight, we have a passage coming to you from the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Uh, Johnny, I may have missed something. Yes, um, I, I, I did. But uh, let, me, let me just read to you from the book of Philippians here. 1, 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And I dare all the more and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. To proclaim the gospel without fear. Listen, Paul didn't show up in Rome. 
as a guest. Paul shows up in Rome as a prisoner. He gets arrested in Jerusalem, tried, and they can't figure out whether he's guilty. So they put him on a ship and send him to Caesar. His ship gets shipwrecked. He gets bit by a poisonous snake. He has to spend the whole winter season on an island. He gets shipped up to, to Rome. And instead of being in front of the emperor, he gets put on house arrest awaiting a gruesome death in which he eventually got while he was in Rome, probably underneath the ruthless rulership of Emperor Nero. And as he's waiting there on house arrest every day, every eight hours, they would send a Roman guard who would be shackled to him so that he couldn't go anywhere. Now, if there's anybody in the world who had the opportunity to put on a new pair of glasses and say that life sucks and find opportunities to say that life sucks, if there was anybody who had his expectations shattered, it was Paul. He was the man who could look at the situation and say, this isn't the way I planned it. This isn't the way I prayed for it. What is God's plan in my life? I was supposed to to come here and preach to the emperor and instead I'm going to be sentenced to death before I ever get before him but Paul didn't look at it that way instead Paul reframed his situation instead of being upset that he didn't get to preach the gospel to the emperor he had a literal captive audience there was literally a man who was shackled to him every single day and so as this man was shackled to him Paul would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this man to the point that the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ radiated the entire palace guard and no we don't know the eternal impact that happened as a product of that Paul saw an opportunity where others would have seen an obstacle Paul saw an opportunity where others would have seen an obstacle in ancient time, a stronghold meant more than just a hard place to conquer. A stronghold meant influence. In fact, a stronghold radiated influence around whatever area it was in. One of the reasons that Israel was such an important piece of land was because it was trade routes between Africa, between where Egypt is, and up into Europe. And along those trade routes were various strongholds on roads that people had to travel. If you controlled the stronghold, you controlled the trade route, which means you controlled what was able to go in and come out, what food was able to go in and come out, what items were able to go in and come out. Over top of the Sea of Galilee, whenever I was in Israel back in 2012, we got to climb up to a hillside and get on the ruins of a crusader castle. Now, this castle had been built and torn down and built and torn down several times. It was in ruins when we were there. But we got to climb up on the abandoned ramparts and walls and look down over the Sea of Galilee. Now, why had this thing been conquered and, and, and rebuilt and conquered and rebuilt so many times? Because the person who con controlled the stronghold controlled the lake, the Sea of Galilee. The person who controlled the Sea of Galilee controlled the water. And the person who controlled the water, the only source of fresh water in northern Israel, controlled all of life. Strongholds radiate influence. And it's no different than the spiritual strongholds in our own life. And if we're going to overcome the spiritual strongholds in our own life, we have to start by overturning their influence in the surrounding country. There are places in your life that your lies have gained influence and they've impacted the way that you see the world. You have to begin overturning this thing. So let me tell you how I started fighting at the end of 2020. Towards the end of 2020, I began to identify the lie in my life that my life was overwhelming. And I sought to overturn that lie with truth. I did one really simple thing, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not the hero of this story. I'm still doing this, but let me just say, I did one simple thing. 
I refuse to say that I was busy. Refuse to do it. Instead of saying that my life was busy, I always insisted that my life was full. Full, F-U-L-L, full. Why? Because when I said my life was busy, it provoked anxiety and made me feel overwhelmed. But when I said that my life was full, it felt full of opportunities and good things. And those were things that I could not only endure, but that I could rejoice in. And slowly but surely, as I began to see my life as full instead of my life as busy, the clause that the spiritual stronghold of your life is overwhelming, that lie began to be loosened in my life. And I began to find freedom from that stronghold. Now today, as I'm working for Lux, I work way more than I've worked in the last couple of years, just to be honest with you, way more. I I put in more hours, more time, more energy, and I have way more to be overwhelmed about. So much more to be overwhelmed about now than I did even four or five months ago. But I'm not. Because I don't have to see with those glasses anymore. Because I have freedom of the tyranny of that stronghold. And not every day. There are days when I still listen to the lie because I haven't actually laid siege to the stronghold long enough to strangle it out of my life. There are still days that it exerts influence on other parts of my life. And that day is almost always Thursday. Why? Because on Thursday, I wake up exhausted and spent. I've worked all day on Wednesday. We've done the live stream. We did Lux at night. It's a spiritual high, man. It's cool. The Holy Spirit's moving in my room and in your room. It's incredible. I know that I can't sleep afterwards, so I stay up late editing video and getting it onto YouTube and resetting my stream room, and then I go to sleep for a few hours, and I wake up Thursday morning, and I get hit by it. You're not enough. You couldn't do enough. You won't be enough. You're exhausted. You can't do this. You'll be fatigued. You're going to burn out. You are not enough. And there's times when I listen to that voice and I buy into it. And on a Thursday, I'll feel more overwhelmed working four or six hours than I did working 18 hours or 15 hours on a Wednesday. Because the reality is, is the lenses that we see have a dramatic impact on how we go about life. So what are the lenses that you've allowed to go over your own eyes? What do you need to to reframe in your life? Let me read a scripture to you that had a powerful impact on me when it came to reframing my life and overturning the influences of the strongholds that I have. It comes from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. It says this, For this reason I, and I as Paul, remind you, you as Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now listen to this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit God gave us doesn't make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Listen, guys, the spirit that's in you when you come to faith in Jesus Christ is not a spirit that makes you timid. It doesn't make you weaker. It doesn't make you less than. It gives you power, the ability to love people, and the ability to discipline yourself. It gives you everything you need. You're not insufficient in any aspect of your life because of the goodness in God that's in you. There's no kid that can outdo you if you're a parent. 
There is no boss that can beat you down if you're an employee. There is nothing in life that can overcome you. There's no abuse that can keep its hands on you. There's no addiction that you can't be set free from. There's no anxiety that has the ability to own your life. There's no depression that can keep you down because you have love and power and self-discipline through the power of Jesus Christ. The strongholds that you're facing can't stand against that power. It's not an overnight thing, but we can overcome them. But we have to bring to bear all the tools that God gave us. And one of those things is reframing. So this week, keep going out and speaking the truth that you declared last week. Keep digging the trench of truth to overcome the lies in your life. But as you do it, push up to the walls of the stronghold. Beat back its influence on your life. If you're going to conquer a stronghold, you have to conquer the countryside as well. If you're going to conquer a stronghold, you have to push back its influence as well. Remove the glasses that have been forced onto your eyes. Stop looking for the things that the lie wants you to confirm. I, 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 guys, I'm not 100% sure what it is. I'll, I'll give you one more example. M maybe for you, it's that you think every person on the road other than yourself is a moron. This is a funny story, but I'll end it this way. So, so do I. Every time I'm on the road, every person that I encounter, I'm looking for morons. And you know what I find? Every time I'm on the road, I find myself behind a moron. Every person I've ever been behind has pretty much been a moron, except for me. I'm not a moron, but I've never been behind me. So I bet if I did get behind me, I would also find that person to be, you guessed it, a moron. Because I have glasses that when I get in my car, for some reason, I get locked in to the I'm looking for moron road. And that's just where I sit whenever I drive. I got to take off those glasses. There are glasses in your life of lies that you've believed. You can take them off, you can break them, and you can put on the glasses that God intended you to believe. The, the glasses, you can see clearly. Your vision doesn't have to be tainted. You don't have to see blurry. You don't have to see confused. There are glasses that we can put on through God's word that will clarify our vision and allow us to see life for what it is. Be able to count our blessings instead of looking at our shortcomings. You're, you're capable of removing them and putting on the glasses that God intended for you from creation. And that's really our next step this week. Our next step this week is this. I will reframe my perception to line up with the truth this week. I will reframe my perception to line up with the truth this week. I don't know what that is for you. It's probably different for you than it is for me. But I do know this. It's a necessary next step. If you want to overcome the strongholds in your own life, you got to reframe the way you see everything. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you. I praise you, Father, because you are a good and gracious and loving God. I pray right now that you would help those of us who are trying to reframe the way we see things, reframe the way we see our friends, reframe the way we see our families, reframe the way we see our children, reframe the way we see our work, whatever it is, our schooling. God, help us to see opportunities where before we saw curses. Help us to see blessings, Father, where before we saw obstacles. Help us, God, to see the good things. Help us, Father, to see the prosperity where before we saw the lack. I pray, God, that you would help us to see things through your sight in our lives. Help us, Father, to uproot the lies in our lives by taking off the glasses, fighting to the, 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 
the halls, not the halls, the walls of the strongholds and laying siege to the lies in our own life. Let us push back the influence they have in our brains. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.